This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Pickle Me This, the officially unofficial podcast for Rick and Morty on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm Aaron. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, we're covering Season 2, Episode 7, Big Trouble and Little Sanchez. Here's Aaron with the recap. Vampires are real, and they stalk the halls of Harry Herpson High, preying upon innocent lunch ladies. There's only one solution, Rick injecting his mind into a teenage clone of himself to battle the undead side-by-side side with Summer and Morty. Meanwhile, Rick ships Beth and Jerry off to Noopsia 4, a planet to boast a 100% success rate in saving marriages with their innovative counseling and therapy services. Unfortunately for the counselors of Noopsia 4, Beth and Jerry don't have a marriage. They have a hellish, codependent, psycho-sadomasochistic terror alliance, which can be neither saved nor fully destroyed. So, Jim, Big Trouble Little Sanchez, what you think? Uh, I like this episode. I think the probably the strongest part of it is the nuptia for Beth and Jerry plot. Uh, Tiny Rick is fun, though. Tiny Rick is... It, it has a, a scene at the end where Rick goes and destroys his own clones that I really love, uh, just for the, the graphic nature of it. And, you know, both from the violence perspective and also... Was it surprising to you that even on the Blu-ray, his dick is uh, blurred out? Uh, I don't know if surprise is okay. the word i would use because like, disappointed i was disappointed you want you want to see yeah. his uh geriatric dick flipping around yeah flopping yeah, around? why not flipping flopping mid-flop i mean it's not the worst thing that i would have seen on rick and morty i'm I mean, certain of it yeah i mean it's less horrifying than him bisecting his own skull yeah uh, in a clone tank but uh they do they they, they draw the line that animated dicks i don't know why but yeah i unless I, they're alien trees that look like dicks right there's tons of those yeah uh, but yeah, I, I mostly like this episode. How about you? I, this is a conf- this. I feel like I'm. I have to take a confession here. This is this is my personal least favorite episode of Rick and Morty. There has to be one. You have to have a and least favorite. And it's not favorite. bad because and right. the thing is, like, I keep wrestling in my mind what it is I don't like about it because I actually love the B plot. If it is in yeah, fact yeah. the B plot, maybe that's the problem. Is I think it's the B plot. It's actually the A plot. Um, I think that is brilliant, and it's got some of my favorite like bits of animation and character, like Jerry's uh image uh myth myth mytho image or whatever they call it uh the worm jerry offering his ass up to real to jerry prime Uh fucking slays me every single time uh nobody's doing that nobody's doing that (laughs) um and i love morty's get your shit together speech Mm -hmm. like that's uh, a big big favorite around my my household and it's a brilliant piece of writing and the 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 comedy timing of Morty just coming in and adding a little a little another one a little another one another one, but I don't know. There's something about like you said that Rick Tiny Rick is fun, but I don't know because 
it feels to me like it's just hitting the Rick is is miserable, but he can't talk about it. This is wubba 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 lubba dub dub wit large, you know, like or writ large, what or, or repeated again. And I don't know. That's yeah. I mean, I think they're trying to get to to some core of like what's the difference between you know happy kids and miserable adults, mm. essentially, or like what makes a happy child turn into a miserable adult. Or maybe, uh, maybe that's the the other thing is that like I. Is that the story they want to tell? Because, like, I feel like this is just a story, a continuation of Grandpa Rick is actually a really tortured soul, and he kind of always wants mm-hmm. to die, and he numbs himself with alcohol and all these other drugs and experiences. Yeah. But they also make it like, oh, it's not that. It's just that he's an old man trapped in a teenage body, and, like, but that's It's a little stories. bit of both, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the the things that have happened to Rick over his life have turned him into old Rick. And now that he's tiny Rick, young Rick, uh, he has shoved all all of the things that make him Rick to sort of the back of his mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, which I like. That's not my view of teenagers. My view of of right. why teenagers are just like so full of life and and you know vigor and stuff is because they're fucking young. Yeah. They haven't had experiences that have turned them into old Rick yet. Yeah. Right. It's not like, oh, well, they're just they're just repressing all those thoughts and putting them in the back of their head. No, they're just those thoughts aren't on their mind because they don't have the experience to understand that those thoughts should even exist. So, like, I I don't know that I agree with, like, some of the stuff that the episode is trying to say about, like, children and their mental state. Uh, But I don't know. I think it's fun. There's a slight inversion of the, you know, like, oh, if you could go back with all your skills and experiences, you just crush high school because. Yeah. You know, maybe that's not the case. I, and then the other thing is, like, I most Rick and Morty episodes are damn near 10 for 10, 9.5 out of 10. Yeah. That, like, when I get to, like, a 7, you know, it's, like, it's it's the one that bums me out every time I'm in, the, like, an Adult Swim marathon. And, oh, God, it's fucking Tiny Rick. But all in all, it's it's a great episode. It also has one of my favorite stingers. Like, the, the Coach Ferratu, the vampire, yeah, yeah. like, where he's just doing, like, you know, straight-up vampire pastiche, and then, like, wait, what? What was his name? And he turns uh-huh. into, like, the Ryan Ridley voice. I, that, I think, is super funny. And him, like, you know, is it just, am I being an asshole here or no? And then he goes right back to tearing a th- the throat out of the girl. I, it's mm-hmm. it's good. So, like I said, uh, you got a A-plus-B plot, and then, you know, whatever. I We should maybe move on to what we think about this episode. Do you want to talk about uh, marriage counseling or... Uh, Ricky the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Let's get Tiny Rick out of the way. Okay. Because I, I think we're both itching to talk more about the marriage counseling Does stuff. Does it bother you that Rick has, like, I can, okay, people go preternaturally gray. Or pre-naturally gray? Okay. Preternaturally yeah. is almost like. <laughs> it's like, like oh my like, god, that, there's no gray of that color like in the elves universe. out of Mirkwood are preternaturally <laughs> right. gray. Uh, but, but people do go gray in early in life, but mm-hmm. I guess it's weird to me that a child Rick would be gray. Is that is that like canon? Or is this some kind of like, he's working with old man DNA, so it inherits some of the old man attributes? It's, is that some of the reasons it bothers me? Yeah, it's it's a really confusing thing because I think everybody knows that he's an old man. Mm-hmm. Like, certainly doesn't Principal Vagina knows. Right. So that implies to me that the kids know and that, like, the gray hair is just part and parcel with that. He also doesn't look like a... T- I think this is the, 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 the subconscious things that are bothering me. He doesn't look like a literally translated, like, 14 to 16-year-old Rick. Like, no. he's very beefy. He doesn't have... Suddenly doesn't have a neck. Like, his proportions yeah. are off. Like, I feel like if he just literally looked like a teenage Rick, 
Um, maybe that would. Because I buy him being the, like, the you know. How, how do you make t- Rick look teenage? Just take the line out from under his eyes or something? Give <laughs> like, him some, like, interesting uh, uh, facial hair. Maybe, like, okay. give him a slightly cooler version of his haircut. You might confuse that with evil Rick, though, if, if it's the wrong facial hair. Like, like leave it long on top and give him kind of a, a fade. So, like, look, looks like he's actually oh, giving. Yeah. But, but part of the reason that Rick is cool in high school is because he doesn't give a fuck. He takes that mm-hmm. attitude back. And, you know, honestly, being cool is 90% just... Yeah. Holding the frame of not giving a fuck against all all comers, and Rick does that with the plum. So like, it totally makes sense that all the kids like him. Uh, it's just I don't know. There's like a lot of aspects. I do, um, I do like the energy. Like the you know, you've essentially got same yeah. kind of mm-hmm. irreverent, not giving a fuck, Rick. But he's got some kind of like youthful youthful energy and drive to him. Yeah, that's the thing that makes me say Tiny Rick is fun. It's just because you know he he seems like the kind of guy who. You look at Rick, and he can party all night. Mm-hmm. How long can Tiny Rick party? Sure, yeah, he doesn't have. He's gonna party all semester. Uh, although I wonder how much of like Rick is natural at this point. How much as he, you know, like it, does he have the body of a seventy year old, or is it like half cybernetic? <laughs> does he got adrenal implants? I mean, it's that... a clone. It's a clone of him, so probably just human body. I yeah. imagine. Yeah, he got Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger ripped less than a season ago, and then that's true. Revi- I mean, that's like that's Christian Bailing, and then you, <laughs> you can only do that a couple of times before it's like switching universes. Yeah, c- just, come on, a Christian, get a, get young miles on it. Get young. We've seen you get fat. We've seen you get skinny. Yeah. Get young. Yeah, I want you to essentially remake. What was that uh, fucking ri- – was it Rising Sun? That was a Christian Bale's first movie where he was oh, like a POW right, in right. Japanese. Yeah, go uh-huh. back and do that. Yeah, de-age yourself. Really apply, really apply yourself. Um, and I, you know, like I said, there's a lot of things I really like. The get your shit together speech is inspired. I love when they plug him into Elliot Smith and he is both giving co- complicated and precise scientific instructions while he's having an existential crisis. Uh-huh. And it's just all blended together. And that's like, that's really fucking hard to do. Like giving, like, you, like, like I, if I'm Justin Royal and I'm in the booth and I'm trying to do these hairpin turns of dialogue like how the hell does he keep up with it am, um, am i gonna be uh an internet pariah if i say i have no fucking idea who elliot smith is i had to look it up myself i've no okay, I've, i yeah i i don't know i don't know like if radiohead's too mainstream <laughs> you listen to elliot you go to elliot's I, I don't know i because i but the, yeah he he seemed like one of those guys who who burned out bright yeah uh I, I, cause like I was reading his Wikipedia, is like, oh, this is gonna be one of those guys falling into drug addiction. He got stabbed to death. Stabbed to death? Which probably is related to his rampant drug addiction and the people he hung out with. And, wow. But this know. was like 2003, cause I, yeah. I looked him up too. Uh, how the hell did, how, how did hell I miss did, him in 2003? Like essentially a new age folk singer gets stabbed to death and I completely missed it. I don't know, man. I don't know either, but uh, but uh, he's 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 the tonic you need to bring your old old ass self out of your young ass body, and then the smooth like you know I love his like nudity and the discomfort like it's great because you remember <laughs> Morty's reaction to him being naked in the uh, uh, the the M Night Shyamalanians episode, yeah. and now Morty's kind of like he, he's not cool with it, but this is something he's seen before where Summer is giving that Morty performance the entire time. Yeah. I love it. I like that attention to detail. I also like him as immediately just like, well, this really puts a damper on Project <laughs> Phoenix. It's so good. And he takes yeah. an axe to all the clones. Yeah. No thoughts about his own humanity. No, no I love it. like just now nope, this that's just this is not the fallback. I thought it would be smack smack. 
Um, all I, right. I got a question for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, the, the end of this episode, because Summer's reputation in this episode, I think, is destroyed. It at goes school. through an arc. Yeah, like she she becomes super popular and sure. super desirable, but only because of her proximity to Tiny Rick, right. who is actually the popular one. Which is well, how a lot of fucking high school works. Absolutely. And then she rats him out and gets him expelled, and then he blows up her spot in front of everyone. Is her reputation just destroyed from here on out at school? Because I don't think that's rectified at the end. I think she's just going to be a pariah now at school. It seems that's why it's poised. Maybe we can talk more about it in Dimension BM-77. Okay. We talk about like high school being like that, and maybe that's the other thing, finally, before I put all my problems with this episode to bed, is like Rick gives a very clear and concise. Like, like the beginning where Summer's like, I know Grandpa Rick, why don't you take this serum and turn yourself young and go battle vampires is like ah oh, pretty specific pitch summer i have uh-huh. reverse ask why <laughs> in the fuck would i ever do that and he just outlines like how utterly like if you're not woke as a teenager to how utterly pointless high school is mm-hmm. that is its own kind of like matrix blue pill hell but if you are aware of it it's like especially bad mm-hmm. and then the justification for rick showing up is like well i just got bored and i thought about blowing and i just decided to reverse course which that's not out of rick's character but it i may i don't know it's you know we, we kind of take our the temperature of like rick caring about his family but like this almost puts its thumb way on a scale because holy shit it implies that he got bored he got needy he wanted to hang out with his mm-hmm. family and like despite all these things bad uh, the, that are reasons that are bad ideas for doing this he does does it anyway so we can hang out and it was like later that morning too Oh, yeah. No, I think the last two episodes actually have done a ton to cement how strongly connected to his grandkids Rick is. How does the... Because they're, they're like, going, hopping dimensions to go see ball fondler movies and, like... Uh, That's true. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff where but like, is that like taking Summer him to the and mall? Morty, like is that like taking him downtown to the mall for Rick? Like that's I don't yeah. know if that's an extraordinary. But he's putting in the yeah, time. Yeah, but but it's it's uh, right. It's way better than he was doing a season ago. Sure. You know, uh, he hardly had any relationship with Summer at all. Now he's hanging out with Summer and Morty constantly. Yeah. Uh, before we move on to the B plot, I maybe if I were to kind of come to your perspective here about not liking this A plot, uh. The vampire stuff feels weird. It just sort of feels out of place in the Rick and Morty verse. Uh, it's typically much more sci-fi and alien based than it is this kind of fantasy stuff. Um, vampires just don't feel right in Rick and Morty to me. I thought they. You're right, but I felt like they did a lot of. Um, you're making me defend the part of the episode I hate, Jim. This is this oh. is not my contract, but I felt like they did a lot of. Um, propping up of that where rick's like yeah vampires are real we've known for hundreds of years look at all the literature look at all the mm-hmm. things and they're like i can't believe that like what are we going to do and he's like we're going to live our lives until we're dead possibly by vampire but more probably by heart disease or auto accident kind of reminds me a little bit of like the idea that there are terrorists in the world that want broadly speaking us dead mm-hmm. but the amount of shit lost to that as opposed to, you know, safe driving on highways, uh, preventable deaths due to mental illness and drug abuse and et cetera, et cetera. Like, it's way out of line. So I kind of like the drive-by commentary about, like, vampires being the stand-in for the weird shit 
that CNN loves to tell you that you didn't know about. Oh my God, mm-hmm. it kills dozens every year, and who gives a fuck? Gotcha. Like you know, like the, like the vampires of blue ring octopus. Did you know there's blue ring octopuses? They're so small you can't even see them, and they can they're they're deadly lethal. And there's no antidote. Mm-hmm. Well, they are, and they're in Australia. Brain brain eating amoebas. Brain eating amoebas. Yeah, you fucking neti potting in Mississippi, and mm-hmm. suddenly you got something literally eating your brain, and it's killed a half a dozen people. <laughs> Did you know about that? Right. Next time you go to fucking irrigate your sinus, you better boil that goddamn water. Uh, yeah. So I – now what will be interesting is if they ever do that like in a larger myth. Like, you know, like it would be funny if like – um you know, obviously, werewolves and mummies aren't real, but like vampires are a thing. <laughs> okay. You know, because sure. like what? Why? Why? It's, it's like if if someone has thought of a monster, can you just hand wave away and say, "Well, of course." Like they're, you know. I mean, it seems like it. Yeah. Yeah. If we have hundreds of years of history of writing about it, yeah. Sure. You know, like the if if you go uh, parts of Asia, they got jumping ghosts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got you got fire demons in in the Middle East, like yeah, just wendigos. All, all you got yeah, all kinds of shit. Yeah. You got the uh, fucking Loch Ness Monster. Mm-hmm. It's probably just a pleosaur. <laughs> Can we talk about marriage counseling now? Please. Uh, Noob <laughs> uh, I, I it, It's a great concept that you got this planet that, got, that has a 100% success rate. And, like, I can see how this therapy would be uh, beneficial because, like, some of the, the, count, the couples counseling that I've been a party to and have read about it invol- it involves, like, in a safe way talking about like the worst like you know when you think of your mate at, the, at, at at their worst like what is your perception and versus the bad and like see them like when you're idolizing them when you're vilifying them neither of those is the actual person mm-hmm. their stuff is like in the middle maybe it's on one side or the other like this is all very healthy and to actually realize that to see like this hulking monster that beth is and this subservient worm that jerry is i think it's funny and then the fact that they're like an unbeatable team uh-huh. It kind of this episode does a lot to like peer back, uh, you know, peel back the the hood or peel back the curtain and show like what is the thing that keeps Beth and Jerry together is because they are like da- like not just exciting but like there's some kind of danger to them. Like it, it, in the proper in the proper situation, they could found a cult and like take over the world. Huh. Uh, I was searching. I, I was looking at this episode going, okay, they clearly want me to, to understand that there is something about them that makes them a weird kind of power couple. Yeah. But I never I never quite got the hook they were going for. I, 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 it, but it's, it is like something that like not – their marriage is so bad. And so they have a 100% marriage saving rate. I kind of played with that in my um, episode synopsis that they don't actually have a marriage. It's some kind of unholy thing. It's like, you know, it's it's the part in the, you know, the the movie where the scientist is looking at a, a, a brain tissue in a microscope and like, my God, you've you've put a tiger shark DNA with a human brain cell, you bastards. Like, it's not a shark. It's not a person. It's 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 a terrifying combination of the two. And hmm. that's what it feels like they're going for their marriage that it is exceptional and that that intense passion and uh the up and downs of it is something that they're kind of addicted to because if they could ever harness it they could do terrible great things with it um yeah and they, they've kind of played with this idea in previous episodes uh where you know you'll see every once in a while beth coming in to save jerry like sure. in the Meeseeks episode she mm-hmm. gives him the confidence he needs mm-hmm. to get out of that situation then there's stuff like uh you know the the her her veterinarian coworker 
right. uh, Beth, who's who's trying to assault her uh-huh. in the Cronenberg episode. Uh, Jerry comes in and kills that guy. So like, there there are moments where they each need each other in a weird way. Yeah. Um, and that the two of them being who they are, like it's Jerry's neurosis that leads him to being there in that moment when right. Beth needs him, right? And there's a sort of sick symbiosis there yeah like if beth can dig deep enough and find like the supportive nurturing you know empathetic person that she is in like the goddess persona then jerry um you know could be and then oh but also and if jerry were actually a stand-up guy and was was there when beth needs instead of like locking himself in their car when she's being menaced by some crazy person with a broken (laughs) bottle then she would it's like it's one of those you know, it's it's uh they, they they call like there's virtuous cycles where like you have positive qualities that keep raising things up, and the, the corresponding is what people more are familiar with the vicious cycle mm-hmm. where yeah. it's like uh you know random or not random but repeated negative interactions just dragging the relationship down and down and down and mm-hmm. um I don't know there's uh, I I just love the line where it's like you know they they. They're in the middle of all this carnage that their myth mythological projections of themselves have caused, and the therapist just goes off on them about like you guys should have never been married, should never stay together. Like he just run tells them like what what is like scientifically and with authority how bad their marriage is, and Beth is just dismissive like, well, this is just bad couples therapy. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I love it. And then there's this also this kind of like moment of clarity Beth has where you know Jerry's found this perfect hiding place, mm-hmm. and she's like. It's not that this is a bad strategy. This is your best strategy for survival. If I join you in here, then we'll both die. Mm -hmm. If I drag you out of your comfort zone and and try to commando this, then we'll probably both die. Maybe we have to go our separate parts. Mm -hmm. And that, I don't know, this like uh, will they, won't they divorce thing is a big part of the engine of Rick and Morty and – uh, I like it, and this 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 kind of like next level couples therapy was a great way to visualize it. It it does have, uh, it does have me asking the question if people would be better off or worse off if we had these machines, if we if we could see accurately what people thought of us at any given moment. I think the world would be a better place if more people formally put thought into their self and their relationships, because most people just kind of wing it. Yeah, I think it would not only would it be, I think, overall helpful for people to know what other people thought of them, Uh but for that person to understand what they thought of other people, too, because a lot of the times it's hard to even know how you feel about somebody else. Yeah. And they, you can tell, like, I know Dan talks about this a lot on Harmontown publicly, the, the, his journey through therapy. And there's a lot of like, they touch on a lot of things. Like a lot of times you hear therapists say that the opposite of crazy is crazy, mm-hmm. uh, which is reflected in Jerry. Like, you know, Jerry as the worm obviously is a dysfunctional way to be, but Jerry as a self aggrandizing pompous ass is uh, and I, I love how these like all three versions of Jerry, like the Worm Jerry, the Commando Jerry, and the Jerry's just standing around jerking himself off, are all in the background of this epic battle going on at the whole time. Yeah, it's great, but there's a lot of like, yeah, like uh, you know, shit. Uh, if there's couple, I, I I just wonder, it's like you know, it's like if there's couples that like watch this and be like, Jesus Christ, we we see uh, ourselves in Beth and Jerry. It's like you know, mm-hmm. to your point, if this episode motivates people to go and try couples therapy. Uh, it's probably a good thing because you know what else are you going to do? Must uh, have been so much fun, but also so much damn work to animate this episode. Because mm. like just coming up with the creature designs had to be so much fun. 
Like, yeah. what are we going to make the worst version of Jerry look like? Yeah. And like I said, Chris Parnell's performance of He's, this, oh, just the, him as the worm, him as Jerry being disgusted by himself <laughs> as the worm. Uh, the sound, like the gelatinous shaking of his butt cheeks. Uh, is so fucking good. Uh, and then like, I, you know, then they, it's this, it's such a, all these episodes around Beth and Jerry kind of take this emotional roller coaster where you see the terrifying highs and the, the completely devastating lows. And then they like most, you know, uh, TGIF comedies of the eighties and nineties would leave it at the moment of triumph where they've, they've triumphed and they've saved each other. Uh, but this show does a little bit more. It's like, you know, when, when Jerry says, when it comes to your ego, I, I'm Stephen fucking Hawkinson. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's a little <laughs> bit of a sour note because Beth yeah. wants to be happy and she wants to be the better person. She wants to be like, you know, all in all, this is a big, but you can tell it mm-hmm. sticks in her craw. And I think it's a fairly accurate portrayal of people. Like, you you don't have these uh, these moments that just change you forever. You got to kind of reflect on the moments. You got to have a series of moments. You got to have, you know, a lot of work goes into changing who you are, not just, well, this thing happened to me and now I'm a different person. Mm -hmm. That doesn't often happen. Yeah. And there's a lot of also like uh, the thing you hate about your partner might be the things you value if you lose them. Like there's a little bit of that in uh, the alien queen version of Beth saying, fool, do you not see, do you not know the value of this, this, this person's worship and his subservience? And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the sting that when she says the reason I'm the strongest and smartest being the galaxy is because that's how much stronger and more capable Jerry thinks of you than you actually are. Cause Beth is, yeah, I mean, she's Rick's child and she's smart. She's got a lot of potential, but there's a little bit of like a rebuke that like, you know, are you, Is Jerry actually holding you back, or is he your excuse for not becoming your version of the goddess? Hmm. Or is a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Maybe. One of my favorite lines is early on in this episode when they're talking about going to therapy, and they suggest just seeing a a marriage counselor, and and Rick's like, earth therapy? Come on, that's like asking a horse to fix a (laughs) (laughs) merry-go-round. Try his best, but mostly just get horrified. Uh Uh-huh. Really fucking funny, and I had to sit there and think it's, about that line for a second. It's a multi-dimensional joke, it too. It really is. Like you yeah. unpack it. Like, what is a merry-go-round? Uh huh. Oh, it's got these horses on it. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's trying to diagnose this thing that is showing itself a weird reflection of itself, and but it's like just grotesque t- and funhouse. Right. Yeah. No, it's such a good joke. Garish. Yeah. It's 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 great. And I bet that's the kind of thing that just like. I don't know, Dan rattled off in the writer's room and was just like... Sure. Oh, yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. Right. Sometimes I think, like, because I, you know, I I, I listen to Harmontown enough to see him kind of just, like, riff off, and, like, that's one of the pleasures of being a Harmontown fan is, like, a lot of stuff, you know, percolates out into Rick and Morty, but it's like, like, is his mind like the sun? Like, you hear that, like, a photon is generated like 10,000 years before it's escaping. So it's like when shit, he just blurts out, was that been ricocheting and attack and like, like right. all these fragments of like sentence structure and jokes and layers have just been bouncing around. And when like, Oh, it's like a horse trying to diagnose a merry-go-round. It comes out. It's like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, it's been bouncing around in there for 10,000 years. Let me out. Let me out. This is not a dance. I'm begging for help. I'm screaming for help. Please come let me out. I'm dying in a vet in the garage. Yeah. 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 Yeah
awesome. Okay, that last part was really weird. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And now this is the point in which we pull out our portal guns. We tune them to Dimension BM-77 and access behind-the-scenes details, trivia, potential spoilers for future episodes. You're going to blur that portal gun, right? Am I going to what? You can't just whip out a portal gun and not have it blurred. You can't have a 43-year-old portal gun you're waving around on a podcast. (laughs) You know, potentially no. there's a video version of this. Children could be horrified. What do you got for the, a portal gun there's shit? A, there's a Gravity Falls character in this episode. We've talked a little bit about the tie-ins that they've sometimes done mm-hmm. with shit that's been flying out of portals in the past. Uh, there's a character, Bill Cipher, on one of the, the scanning screens in this episode. Right, as Jerry puts on his helmet. Yep. Uh, that's that's the one piece of trivia I got. I, I listened to this commentary. I wrote down nothing from the commentary. Huh. I... I I enjoyed the commentary. It was a good listen, but nothing felt like really pertinent to talk about. Well, it's funny because there's another Gravity Falls reference, which uh, Toby Matthews, which is kind of the dream boat that Summer's fixated on, is played by Alex Hirsch, who's also a voice okay. actor in yeah. Gravity Falls. You gotta, He's like the creator of Gravity Falls, right? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Um, but I'm not as familiar with that show as I am like Adventure Time. Um, there's also a lot of, I thought... Um, Stepping away from the trivia bit, the fact that like I don't like the Tiny Rick episode, but Tiny Rick is what probably led the Pickle Rick, which was one of my favorite episodes. Really, like, the whole I was cadence thinking... of like I'm Tiny Rick, or, like with the Pickle Rick, like that's yeah, the, like that's the birth of that. I don't know. What, oh, what there you are would a call lot that? of elements because last episode they built those like mech suits, and I felt very much like that was part of the. Uh, Pickle Rick stuff. Yeah, you're not wrong. And he also his explanation, if you recall how he got in the pit, like that he was essentially bored. Well, that was his, I guess, cover story. He was yeah. bored and he did this as a challenge. He didn't want to do therapy is what it really was. Right. But uh, I don't know. Maybe he was escaping some other, like his taxes were due that day. So he's like, oh, fuck, I'm just going to make myself young and go fuck around in high school. Could be. Um, but I also like some of the um, behind the scenes writing stuff where... Like, I got this idea that, like, it sounds like that Dan is, like, uh, more than anyone, the guardian of what he thinks Rick and Morty, or, like, the Rick and Morty's, like, reputation, because there's, like, a discussion about with Ryan and how he wanted, like, some of these visuals that when the aliens are plugged in and they're having their minds read, like, he was wanting this stuff, like, to see a giant hen that's henpecking uh-huh. their husband or something like that, because he thought that would, that would be funny as a contrast to then you get to Rick or to, to, to Jerry putting a helmet on and, like, Beth is a fucking xenomorph alien queen ass ripper. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like, oh, my God, it would visually tell the story of how much worse their relationship is. And, you know, Dan, like, instantly goes back into the argument. And it's like, well, don't you think that would be confusing? And I'm like, okay, where is he going with this? But then he goes, why would, it, like, an alien from Jupiter be using human metaphors like henpecking? Mm-hmm. And it's like, damn, like... I don't know how many people would follow that line of logic, but it's almost like I I know some fucker. Well, everyone on the internet, some fucker on Reddit's going <laughs> to yeah. be like, "What's this Venetian doing with the henpecking meta?" And he's already on it because he's 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 been in the trenches with community and all this other shit. He's like, "Nah, I'm not I'm not I'm not going down there." I thought that was funny. Um, 
also that the idea that the writing room as they're developing these plots that they are guilty of like trying to find the thematic connection between the two when they don't need to be there. And it's like, that can be really harmful that, that this is one of the episodes they realize that like, there's no need to do that. Like the principal, the principal reason to have an A and B plot is this. So you can yada yada through the boring parts of timelines. Like not every single thing is act wham, bam, blam. And it seemed, it feel very weird pacing wise. If the plot, unfolded like that which is like because that's like a you know how a child tells a story then this thing happens then this thing happens then this thing happens and mm. like doing an a b even c allows you to kind of shuffle the focus around and and, and build tension um and uh, like if you have a thematic connection great if you discover it on the along the way but like not to try to force it or not to um and there's even um i think that they they said that in the script right like when rick picks yeah. up rick, beth uh-huh. and jerry and jerry makes something about like oh sounds like we were on theme, and Rick's like, "Is that because you just said it?" Uh, uh, I thought that was some kind of interesting. Yeah, I will say some of the most satisfying media I've consumed though does have themes that tie it all together. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I really appreciate when a television show takes an episode to explore a theme, mm-hmm. but it's not necessary. And no, 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 if no. you try to force it, it's so yeah. it's, so anything that's not necessary means it's a cherry on top. So like uh-huh. yeah, everyone loves cherries on top, but a bowl full of cherries that's a cherry fiasco. Uh, <laughs> the <laughs> which is a delicious dessert. It is. Uh, <laughs> do you know? I I also like their discussion about how they almost didn't go down the path of having Beth be the goddess because it's Deus Ex. It's literally God from the machine. But Deus that's what Ex makes Machina. it work. But that's At the same also, time. Yeah. Right. That like well. It's this is another thing that like Dan talks about in comedy, like the concept of a hat on a hat. Like if you have a character with a funny hat, sometimes the temptation is, oh, put an even funnier hat on it because that's mm-hmm. and that's not that's hack. But sometimes you can have an elaborately constructed series, a whole scaffolding of hats that pushes through that. And like the fact that this is a projection of a projection of a projection. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, that's the point that like that, that, that they leaned into it and it works. Um, I thought that was pretty funny. Are pretty interesting, and then the final thing that I got from the commentary was that they originally designed the worm Jerry to have uh, like a dog, like like Snowball had the dog butthole, it's just like the little asterisks, right? And stands for the one thing they I, pushed yeah. back on this show. And you think about all the stuff we've talked about so far, sure, you know, Rick's teenage daughter being some sex slave and a high school teacher's fantasy, mm-hmm. like all the stuff that standards and practices, like, man, eh, don't give a shit about. The worm having a exploitable butthole. Yeah, it's amazing. When he's offering himself the, for butt sex, like, uh-huh. oh, well, now listen, listen. We don't know for sure that's that thing's butt. There's an implication <laughs> that I don't the know there. that I like here. That's 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 that there might be some butt stuff going on. Right. Like, yeah, I thought that's like what. I mean, it's got to be even funnier in context. Like, can you imagine, like, you're the producer of this show and you know what you've gotten away with, mm-hmm. and you get a note from standards and practice, like, what the fuck did the butthole? The asterisk. <laughs> that's that's. What if we just thing? make it an X? It's not a full asterisk. It's just an X. Right, a plus sign. Can we Can get it be away a with slit? That? Oh no, that's even worse. That that gets you ma. That gets you taken off the air if you have it a slit. So, yeah. you, but you can have the buns. You can have them being gelatinous. You can have them making the <laughs> noise. You just can't. You can't. You can't have the the butthole there. Yeah. Um. There was uh, the other I had um kind of reference is when Tiny Rick is showing his art that that's actually a drawing of the character Doc from the 
inspiration of Rick and Morty, the uh, adventures, the real animated adventures of Doc and Marty, which is a parody of Back to the Future that Justin Roiland did a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I've ever linked that, so I'll link that in the show notes um, because it's something else. Have you seen it? Yeah. It's, a, it's just seven minutes of, of Doc uh-huh. scheming it's... to get Marty to lick his balls. And and much more poorly drawn uh-huh. than, than this is. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's it's actually the animated version of this sketch. Yeah. Uh, also, I like to, because like, a lot of times Justin um, does like this last minute like statement right before the credits cut him off. Mm-hmm. And this one was, uh, keep slogging through these while you work. And I'm like, thanks, Justin. Mm-hmm. I will. <laughs> No, I, I like the pep talk. Slogging through these as your work. Yeah. <laughs> if you're me. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, thanks. I appreciate. I appreciate that. That word from the creators. Uh-huh. Pickle Me This is distributed by Bald Move in association with Starburns Audio. It's produced by Jason Smith and Scott Porch from Starburns and myself, Benayron from Bald Move. All music featured on this podcast is from the Rick and Morty soundtrack available from Sub Pop Records. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To discover the many other great shows we do, please check out baldmove.com and starburns.audio. If you appreciate what we do and want to directly support us, consider joining our club at club.baldmove.com to get access to exclusive bonus audio and video features. Finally, you can follow us on your favorite social media at baldmove. See you next time. Mm -hmm. No! Nobody's doing that!